If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Coffee and California Politics. We have a lot to get to today. Um, a lot of stuff to talk about. As I said, we're going to do a little bit of the breakdown of the SCOTUS rulings. It's been a wild week, obviously, with the Supreme Court. Everyone who's anybody probably knows what the heck is going on right now. A lot of backlash also from California, unsurprisingly, uh, or not surprisingly. Um, it's been a wild week being turned upside down, the riots, the protests, everything that's been happening. Um, last night, I was able to join uh, Ozzy from Triggerology. We had a nice long discussion about specifically what happened with the Attorney General, which I'll touch upon, but we did a more in-depth conversation about that. So if you want to check that out, go over to his page, Triggerology underscore FD. Um, he's a great follow. If you have any questions about CCW or training or anything like that, he knows all the answers. So go check him out. Even I go and ask him questions when I have uh, questions about some of these 2A issues and stuff like that and training and firearms and all that stuff. So definitely go check it out if you were able to, if you weren't able to, tune in live last night it's up on his page um probably you know we should do more of those lives you know talked about doing more of the cocktails in california politics um but last night's was sort of an impromptu because of what happened and with the attorney general and releasing information and all that uh we're gonna talk a little bit about roe v wade being overturned what that means how california is responding to that Again, not surprising, California wants to bolster abortion rights here in California. And um, yeah, there's a lot to get to. And uh, it's been a wild and crazy week. Tomorrow night, we'll be lucky to, we are fortunate to have uh, Mayor Richard Bailey, Mayor of Coronado, will be joining the, the, the podcast tomorrow night. We're going to be talking about a lot of things dealing with insiders, sort of baseball, what happens on the inside. Uh, we're going to be talking specifically about SANDAG, which is the San Diego Association of Governments. Um, and yeah, we're going to talk about what happens in there. We're going to ask him some other questions. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm sure you're not surprised that there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes when it comes to politics. And uh, we're going to talk about all that stuff. And then next week, I think we're going to have another legislative roundup because there's a lot of new stuff that's come out. You know, from the last time we had a legislative roundup, we talked a lot about bills that were out there, where they are, what's going on with them, which ones got booted, which ones didn't make it, which ones are still ch- like churning through the system. We're going to talk about those as well uh, tomorrow night. So with that said, let's jump right into the two decisions. I want to talk mostly about these two decisions because I think those are the most controversial decisions um that have garnered the most attention i mean you can go through the whole supreme court docket and if you want to nerd out and you can pick all the different supreme court rulings you know not a lot of them are going to get as much press i don't think anyone is going to get as much press as the roe v wade um the gun the new york uh firearm one that probably is a very close second because everyone had a full 24-hour cycle to really ruminate on what that meant and what was happening. And um, then obviously there was the Roe v. Wade case. And I keep saying it's the Roe v. Wade case. It really wasn't called the Roe v. Wade case. It wasn't like they just heard Roe v. Wade again. 
Uh, there was a case, uh, Dobbs v. Jackson was the name of the case. So if you're looking to actually read the entire opinion, I've been reading it. Keep in mind, a lot of these uh, cases are about 100 pages long when it comes to an opinion. So I finally got through the entire gun case, which I thought was very interesting. Obviously, Clarence Thomas did an, an incredible job detailing why our Second Amendment rights are not a second class right. Um, and he goes through the whole history and he goes through the rationale um, and basically sets up even more importantly, I know there were a lot of people who were very let down by the fact that they thought that maybe it would go, they would go even further in terms of uh, the right to carry into a right to carry outside of the home, maybe just make it constitutional carry across the nation. But I will say this about the Supreme court and the Supreme Court rules on, just like any other case, they're going to rule on what case is in front of them and what are the facts and the question in front of them. So specifically in this case, in the New York uh, Rifle and Pistol Association case, the question was whether or not these two men who had applied for carry and conceal had to prove good cause in the state of New York to get a carry and conceal. And that was the entire question, because there are a lot of there are several states or more states that are shall issue. Shall issue is basically you apply for it. The sheriff shall issue, meaning they're required to as long as you meet the licensing and background and all that stuff there. But there shouldn't be a good cause statement. And California is definitely one of those. California is one of those states where there's levels of which county asks for good cause. How much good cause do you need? Last night on the live, we talked a lot about that, you know, differences between like Marin County and like San Diego County, like San Diego County. We've been very lucky, thanks to the hard work of the San Diego County gun owners to push back on that and make it basically a shall issue county there in, in his time. I'd spoke with the president of the San Diego County gun owners, and he said basically in his time, there was only one person who was denied and then they fixed it and then they got their their permit anyway. So it's basically a shall issue. However, there are other counties like Marin County, Los Angeles County, those counties that want some sort of level of good cause that almost seems unattainable. And that was really the question of what happened in the New York case was, is good cause a constitutional requirement? Is it a constitutional limitation you can put on the Second Amendment? Obviously, the court said no. The court said no, that's not a good reason. Um, and because their good cause was so restrictive that you've basically eliminated the person's right to carry and conceal outside the home. Granted, this is the first time. This is why it's a big deal. And there hasn't been a lot of Second Amendment cases that in, in the real scope of things, there hasn't really been a lot of Second Amendment cases. Heller was obviously the first one. Heller was regarding to District of Columbia. Um, there was a officer or someone who worked. His private job was he was security for a federal building. Um, Heller, uh, Dick Heller was his name. Um, friend of the podcast. He's, come, he's, he's shown up and shown support. Um, the Heller Foundation, and he was applying, he wanted to apply or get a firearm just for his home, just to have in his house. This had nothing to do with carrying conceal. And the District of Columbia said, no, you don't have the right to have a firearm inside your house. Crazy as that sounds. Then the court came out and said, well, yeah, obviously you have the right to have a firearm in your house. 
pretty open-ended. Heller is a really good case. Then right after that, there was McDonald v. Chicago. McDonald v. Chicago, why that was important was before that, District of Columbia is just its own federal jurisdiction. So they ruled that, yes, in the federal jurisdiction of District of Columbia, you can't violate their Second Amendment rights. Um, McDonald, what it did was it applied the Second Amendment to the entire nation, meaning that the bill in, incorporated basically through the 14th Amendment. Um, and if any of this is getting too wonky, you can just raise your hand and be like, I am so lost. Can you explain that again? Just let me know in the chat if you want me to slow down or explain. But I'm just giving you a little background as to why this case is so such a landmark case outside of just the carry and conceal, why I think it's going to be even bigger moving down the line. Um, so McDonald basically incorporated the Second Amendment as a right to the states, meaning the states could not infringe upon your Second Amendment rights. Right. So that guaranteed that everybody can be allowed to buy firearms, handguns um, and have them in the home. There hasn't been a, de a decision since then. That was a long time ago. I think it was over 20 years ago. Even Thomas and Kavanaugh, and it's, it's fitting that Thomas was the one who wrote the opinion because several years ago, he and Kavanaugh came out and said, we're upset that there hasn't been any real movement on Second Amendment jurisprudence since Heller and McDonald. And they're basically, we haven't heard a case on the Second Amendment in decades. Um, basically, and this is one of those ways that Supreme Court justices can kind of signal to attorneys on the ground and organizations on the ground who uh, litigate these issues to basically say, look, we're open to hearing these cases, right? We're open to hearing these cases. We want to hear these cases. We think there's a, a, a strong reason to hear these cases, especially when you have different circuit courts ruling one way or another. So you get to have circuit courts that are more conservative, which say, oh yeah, you have an absolute right to the second amendment here. You can do whatever, you know, you, you can have a lot of these abilities. You can buy a lot of firearms. You can buy which capacity magazine you want. And then you get to a place like ninth circuit or the ninth circus, which everyone likes to call it, and they can greatly restrict it. So that difference in circuit courts means that there is a circuit court, um, sort of a, what do you call it? A circuit court difference of opinion between them. And when there is sort of a difference of opinion with all the circuit courts, it's almost imperative that the Supreme Court has to step in and say, look, we need to resolve this and we need to make sure that there is a uniform rule across the, the entire country. Now, um, we finally got that case with this New York case. We finally got the New York Pistol and Rifle and Pistol Association sued on behalf of these two men who wanted their carry and conceal from the state of New York, but the state of New York has a very restrictive carry and conceal policy. You need to prove good cause. And even though I think one of them was security, meaning that he worked in a dangerous area, um, they wouldn't allow him to have it. So he sued and it got all the way up to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court, we all know the ending of the story, which is that they ruled that there is a right to carry and conceal outside the home and you don't need. So that's part one. One is that you do have a right to carry and conceal. That's what the Second Amendment plainly states, which is you have a right to keep and bear arms, right? Keep and bear arms, the right of the people to keep and bear arms. Um, and they said, yeah, keep is ownership. Obviously, you have a right to own firearms, but you also have a right to bear them. Um, and Thomas 
kind of smugly put it that you are more likely to bear a firearm outside the house. That's what they believed it meant. You could wear a holster, and this is what Thomas said. He said, you know, you're free to wear a holster and walk around your house with a holstered gun. But that doesn't really make as much sense as actually being outside the home and having a holster. So that's what we interpret the text of keep and bear arms meant. Um, Goes through a whole history, goes through a whole litany of the respondents tried to make an argument all the way back to the uh, medieval times, Middle Ages, um, the Dark Ages, uh, if you want to call it that, and talked about different things like there were like laws in England about swords and you couldn't bring swords into town and, and weapons and stuff like that. Um, and the respondents who were the, I guess you could call them defendants, who were trying to not have this be granted, basically were trying to say, well, there's a long history of that. There's these regulations throughout our history when it comes to weapons. Basically, they found that all to be outliers and bunk. First off, we're not going to listen to medieval laws. That doesn't really have any reflection here on the American uh, on America because the American colonies were so far removed from the Middle Ages. And then they tried to prove that there was stuff in like the West and oh, in the Western territories, there was a lot of gun control. And, you know, you always hear that argument about the Wild West and people say, well, in the Wild West, there was actually a lot more gun control and people were required to check in their firearms. The old story, like the OK Corral, that was what started the whole OK Corral. Um, and Wyatt Earp and all that was because they started seizing guns and they were upset that they couldn't have their guns on while they were in town. But that's a whole different story. And they talk about how in, in that time, they weren't states yet. They were territories. Uh, there was regulation. But then soon after they became states, all of those regulations were deemed unconstitutional and that you were allowed to carry and conceal firearms. Um, so moral of the story, and I don't want to take too much time on this because I think, uh, I want to open this up for a lot of questions. And if people have any comments or questions about what is happening right now, I want to get through this part and then we can sort of talk about what's going on with abortion and specifically what California is doing. And then I'll touch, actually, I want to touch upon really quick how California already has, is starting to punish ccw holders and maybe as we talked about last night on the live uh chill the ability for people or chill people's interest in wanting to actually apply for a ccw um the most important lesson to take away from this ruling is that clarence thomas has basically said that the second amendment is not a second class right and it's been treated as such for a long time and that that should no longer be the case. The Second Amendment should not be treated as a Second Amendment or a second class right. And basically, there is a new rule of does it infringe upon the intent of the Second Amendment? If yes, it's unconstitutional. If no, then it is constitutional. That's the rule. That is the new rule. It used to be this two-step analysis about balance interesting and, or, or interest balancing and whether the government could find a reason to do these regulations. And if, as long as the government always finds some sort of proper reason, and believe me, the government will find any reason to uh, infringe upon your rights, then obviously it's constitutional, which leaves the doorway open. And Congress Thomas said, well, that's, that's like a BS rule, because basically you've now let the government's restrict as much of the, the Second Amendment as they want, as long as they can show in their own interest that they want to regulate. So that's the new rule. And why is that important? That's important because going forward now, 
with Second Amendment cases, you can go back to this New York case, right? You can go back to this New York case, take that rule and say, this is the Supreme Court's rule on Second Amendment every time there's an issue. So here in California, you know, we have a case with the magazines and the magazine capacity. That's an issue. So there's a lot of issues. You know, we could talk about the handgun roster and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, you could use this rule arguing to go forward that the Supreme Court says this is how you interpret the Second Amendment. If it infringes upon the plain text of the Constitution and the intent of the Second Amendment, then it is a violation of the Second Amendment. Um, caveat, though, this does not mean it's unfettered. I will say this. It does not mean it's unfettered. Like a lot of people were like who were 2A purists who believe that you should be able to own nukes and tanks and stuff like that. This does not mean you can just go outside, slap a gun on your hip and say, well, the Supreme Court said I can go ahead and do whatever I want. They did hold up that you can still go through the licensing process. Obviously, they believe that's still a respectable way to go through and get a carry and conceal permit. But that's fine. You can still go through it. And they're obviously going to try and make it as hard as possible. We talked about that last night. They want to make you wait as long as possible. They want to make it as expensive as possible. But I would urge you not to just give up on your hope of owning getting a CCW. And, and the more people who apply for CCWs, the more normalized it's going to get in California. You want to see more and more people having CCWs. You want it to become commonplace in California that a lot of people have CCWs. Why? Because if people are to look back on what is the normal tradition, right? What is common in the state or in the country at the time, you want to see a lot of people having CCWs, carrying concealing, being out there, being normal citizens, law-abiding citizens, and proving their point that this is part of the American tradition. If it's out, if it's an outlier, it's uncommon, then the court can come down later down the line, decades from now maybe, and say, well, it's not very common that people carry and conceal, so therefore we don't really need to let people carry and conceal. So that's why it's important. It may be tough, right? But you have already been granted a huge win in terms of the good cause statement specifically here in California, where the good cause statement has really held up a lot of people. And I know a lot of people who get worried about the good cause statement and they, you know, they want to make sure it's just right. Now you don't really have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it at all because there is no good cause statement anymore. Uh, they should be updating the applications. It should be you just put in your information. Hopefully they don't disseminate that information all over the World Wide Web, which we can talk about in a second. Um, but go and apply. Get the process started. Why? Because it's going to take a while. It took me an entire year from start to finish. About that time, I'm thinking about, I think I applied end of June or early July last year. I just finally got through it. Um, and now I'm still waiting. I'm still, But I'm done with the process. Now I'm in the queue. Um, and... Now I'm just waiting for it. But so start it anyway. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Woo. Went down the wrong pipe. Uh, the fight is now going to, as he says, the fight is now going to be good moral character and sensitive places ban. Now, the interesting thing is they did talk about sensitive places in the Supreme Court ruling, and they talked about it extensively, and they talked about sensitive places. And now, if you don't know what they're talking about, New York basically upheld this idea that a sensitive place, you don't need a firearm. So there are certain places 
that you can't bring a firearm. Even in California, the, you know, there's CCW places you can't bring a firearm. You can't bring it into federal buildings. You can't bring it into state buildings. Uh, you can't bring it into bars, specifically just a bar, but you can bring it into a tavern. Um, and tavern um, specifically is the rule is whether or not 50% or more is derived from alcohol, 50% or more is derived from, from food, then you're okay. Um, my instructor told me uh, the best way to think about it is would you bring your kid to this place? If yes, then you can bring your gun. So if you can bring your kid, you can bring your gun. Um, so there's these ideas of sensitive places. Um, there is also this idea that a place could put up a lot of no gun signs, no guns all out here. But legally, I will tell you this, legally, that is not enough, right? That is not enough. They could put up a sign that says no guns allowed. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't ent enter without a, you cannot enter with a CCW. They have to actually prevent you from coming into the, the business with a firearm. That means there has to be a metal detector. Maybe there's some security, maybe the guy with the wand and stuff like that. Um, that's how they have to keep you out. So yeah, they can say, oh, we don't want guns here. That doesn't really hold in any sort of enforcement for now. That doesn't mean that California is not going to try and figure out all these ways to make sensitive places basically everywhere. Although the Supreme Court said that um, you can't deem an entire city a sensitive place, which they tried to do in New York City, basically saying, well, you're protected by the NYPD. So what do you need a gun for? Well, the NYPD is not everywhere and they're not everyone's personal bodyguard. So it's not going it, to that doesn't fly. So the fight is obviously they're not going to take this down. Uh, they're not going to take this line down. And we saw this just yesterday. We saw that the state of California, surprisingly, you saw AG Rob Bonta, who released a statement basically saying we, we don't need to see good cause anymore for CCWs. And at first I was thinking, that's odd for someone like Rob Bonta. You think the first thing out of his mouth would be we're going to fight back against this and we're not going to listen and nullification all of a sudden, um, you know, all these leftists are big states rights people. It's always interesting how leftists are big states rights people you know, when it does benefit them, but then when they want like complete and utter control from the federal government down, then all of a sudden they're not states rights people. But anyway, that's besides the point. So you see that letter and you go, Oh, okay. Maybe he's not going to really go after it. Maybe he understands that the Supreme court Nah, you got fooled. Um, yesterday there was a leak of the attorney general's database of all gun owners, registered gun owners, NCZW permit holders, and that information was able to be leaked to the entire internet. Now, it was up and down, and people were able to get full databases. They were able to see information. They were able to see your address. They were able to see your date of birth. Um, a lot of private information. So we talked about last night extensively. Like I said, if you want to go check it out, go over to Ozzy's page at Triggerology. Um, we talked about this extensively, but... I think this was not on purpose. I think this was definitely done as a as a intentional oopsie so that now all this information is floating out there. Your privacy is exposed, which is interesting that for people who believed in privacy so much and the right to privacy, especially when it comes to the Roe v. Wade argument, now all of a sudden they're fine with absolutely giving away everybody's information. And I believe this is one of those things where it is a scare tactic. It is... They want the mob and they want uh, people to have your information to make you feel scared that you are a gun owner. 
that they can come find you, that if they know who you are, that they can come look you up, that they can come terrorize you. And it only takes one person. Like, they're not going to go after everybody. But at the same time, it does put a little bit extra kind of ramp up the caution and ramps up a little bit of the paranoia that there are people out there who might have your information. And that is scary. Even if you do have a CCW, it is scary that people out there have your information. They have your address. They know where you live. They know where your family lives and that they can come and actually do something to you. And then the state can kind of go, well, uh, actually, it's not our fault. That was an oopsie on our part. And um, uh, I think uh, someone had said last night, uh, Camille was on last night and she said her husband's a programmer and that this sort of information doesn't just leak out accidentally that it's intentionally somebody left it open on purpose um so anyone who believes that this is an accident i don't believe it's an accident i believe it's california kind of retaliating against gun owners and that now all this information is out there and people can find you regardless whether or not they are trying to do that i still think that you should Go through the process if you want to. You should not be afraid of this, and you should not be scared of this. And I think it, it pushes back on the politicians because if nothing else, the politicians can look at this and go, oh, look, we did this. Maybe it'll, it will scare them away. Maybe people won't actually do or follow through on CCWs or anything like that. No, I think you should keep going. If you're going to get a CCW, if you're going to purchase that first firearm, go ahead and do it. Because you want them to see that even in the face of all these rules and regulations, of all this intimidation, that there are people who are continuing to get firearms and get their CCWs. Um, and it's it's probably the best middle finger you can give to people like Noodles and A.G. Rob Bontes. You can try and scare us, but we're going to still exercise our right and we're going to still do this. And do you really want to try and intimidate a bunch of Second Amendment lawful uh, gun owners who are lawful CCW owners, do you really want to start intimidating us? Do you really want to think that you really want to think that through that that might not be the best decision? And I'm not saying you take action. I'm saying you're not really going to intimidate a lot of people who have firearms or who are carrying firearms. Um, but that's just my take on it as well. So don't be, don't be dissuaded by it. I think you should just go through it anyway. Um, and a lot of people are saying in the comments right now, it's a lot to do with red flag laws. That's a huge issue. I think we'll probably have to have another live to talk about this entire bill that's coming out or what they're trying to do. It's, uh, it's kind of disappointing that Republicans always seem to cave on your gun rights. They're not as absolutist on your gun rights as possible. Um, so with that said, I believe there will be litigation. I know CRPA... The California Rifle and Pistol Association is already on it. I know that maybe the Firearm uh, Policy Coalition is already on it. There are lawyers who are already looking into this like right now. Like they were looking into it as of yesterday and they are already contacting people. So it'll be interesting to see where the litigation goes. Maybe we're all class action. Maybe it's a class action for every legal gun owner in the entire state. Um, so we'll see where that goes. I don't know if you don't know, at the end of the day, the state is going to end up using your taxpayer money to defend against this. Um, and they're going to use uh, your taxpayer money to settle this. So in the end, it's not really going to hurt the state. Uh, but I think the biggest thing you can do is, again, just go apply. Don't be dissuaded by this. Um, and 
Show them that you're not scared. Show them that you are not going to be intimidated, that their their status tactics are not going to intimidate you. Do you think this hurts or propels Rob Bonta's career? Uh, well, with a majority of registered Democrats, you know, Democrats own guns too, right? Like it's not all just Republicans. So Democrats own guns too. If I was a Democrat who owned a gun, I would be pissed off, right? I'd be pissed off because if I was a Democrat, and I know Democrats who own guns, right? I know there's a lot of Democrats who are big gun enthusiasts. Um, they're big two-way people. But if you're a two-way Democrat, you're not going to look at what Rob Bonta did and go, yeah, I'm going to vote for this guy anyway. You may be a little bit more angry that he leaked your personal information. So it may have a hindrance on it going forward. Um, especially because he's not very well known, Rob Bonta. Remember, he was installed because uh, Xavier Becerra, who left and went off to D.C. to be the Health and Human Services chair or, or secretary, um, he was installed. Rob Bonta was not elected, so it's not like he's already been elected and he has a whole like mandate or anything like that. He's just someone who came in and was installed. Um, so... We'll see how that ends up. I mean, this could be a scandal in the making for him that he released all this information. There's plenty of independents. You know, there's plenty of people across all spectrums, Democrat, independent, you know, Republican, who own firearms. And if your private information was released, I wouldn't be too happy with that politician. I would be very hard pressed to vote for that politician again and go like, yeah, well, he released my private information to the web, and now somebody somewhere, I don't know who they could be, who hates guns and ga- hates me just because I own guns, um, now has my private information, my date of birth, and all that stuff, and, and where I live. So therefore, I guess, um, yeah, I guess I'll vote for him again. I mean, maybe if you're that big of a political tribalist that you believe that you're just going to vote D no matter, vote blue no matter who is what they say, maybe, but I, if you're if you're somebody like that, you may not vote for a Rob Bonta, and it may hurt him. Um, so moving on, we do have a couple minutes before I want to open it up to questions. I do want to talk about what happened in the Dobbs and Jackson case. I haven't gotten through, I will admit, I haven't gotten through the entire uh, ruling or the entire opinion of what is going on. It's basically the same opinion that they issued or leaked. And isn't it interesting? We haven't found out who was the leaker of that Supreme court decision. It's still been out there that we have no idea who actually leaked it, right? There was supposed to be, um, this huge investigation into finding out who is the, Oh no, my computer went down. Hopefully it's still recording. Um, who was supposed to be the leaker and we haven't found out who the leaker is. So, Oh no, this is, this is demoralizing. I can't get my computer up. There it goes. Okay. Phew. That was close. Um, otherwise I lose the audio and that's not important for all the audio listeners who like to tune in. Um, anyway, for all the audio listeners, I apologize. There was a little blip in the computer. Um, there are only four CCW permits in all of San Francisco. Yeah, I saw that. That's pretty interesting. There's only four CCW, um, on all of San Francisco. But if there, no matter how many CCWs there are currently, I think there should be a lot more by next year. You know, if it takes about a year, I think there should be a lot more by next year. That is what I would like to see. I'd like to see a huge increase in people with CCWs going through the process, getting their CCWs, showing that it's normal, showing that a lot of law-abiding people are getting it, and changing the culture, changing the culture around it. All right. 
Now on to Dobbs v. Jackson, which overturned Roe v. Wade. Um, not much to say. I mean, there's no, uh, you know, I'll boil it down for you uh, as best as I can without knowing or reading or getting through the entire opinion. Um, they basically said there's no right to uh, abortion in Constitution and that they are basically, they couldn't find a right no matter how much they tried or stretched. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself didn't even believe that this was back when they were talking about the original Roe v. Wade. They believed that this isn't going to have the legs to stand on over the long haul. Now, that was a long time ago. It was 50 years ago. Democrats have had control of Congress and government since then several times. I mean, you can think about it. You know, Jimmy Carter, you had Bill Clinton, Barack Obama. Um, they had numerous chances to codify Roe v. Wade, right? They could have codified it. They could have codified it, made it a law, and then that's it. If that's the law, that's basically the be-all and end-all, correct? Now, outside of the Constitution, the most important, highest authority in our government is the elected official and our legislatures. That's really how our Constitution was set up, right? Our Constitution was set up that we were going to have legislatures, we are going to have state legislators, we are going to have congressional legislators, and that legislators were really going to be sort of the machine that makes government run because their belief was that you wanted to be able to interact with your representative on a state level, on a local level, and on a congressional level. That way you are represented in your form of government. So when the legislature has the ability to make these decisions, that's really what it comes down to is that you should be able to um, vote and change things based on what the people believe, right? Um, I saw Discount Gun March just joined. I want to give them a shout out. They were the ones who trained me for the CCW. Um, great trainers and instructors there. So I said this last night on the live as well. Um, if you're in San Diego, definitely check out Discount Gun Mart. They had a great class. Um, Kyle is great and Patrick is great as well. Um, but anyway, back to the Dobbs v. Jackson case. Uh, it's interesting, and I tweeted this out before, that they are saying, people on the left are saying, that democracy dies through this decision, which I don't really seem to understand because democracy is, in their terms, whatever democracy is, yeah, you can go to the ballot box and all that, that's their form of democracy. They're upset that a group of unelected lawyers basically said this was not our place to make this ruling and therefore we're giving the power back to the people. And they think that's how democracy dies is because a group of unelected lawyers and judges basically gave up power and said we were wrong years ago and therefore we want to give it back and closer to the people. That doesn't sound like democracy dying. Um, and instead, they're giving the power all back to the states, right? They're giving the power back to the states to make that determination. And that's something that the Dobbs v. Jackson case talks about, which is it's hard to come up with a simple rule. And ever since Roe v. Wade, it's been harder and harder to kind of stick to this rule because there is no hardline exact rule. Um, and to come up with these different standards is more of a legislative action than it is a a Supreme Court or judicial action. So basically they're saying, this was not our place to begin with. This is what the legislature is for. The legislature is there for 
if they want to balance the interest, and this is what states are for, right? This is what, the, this is what Alito says in the opinion. The states and its representatives can balance what is more important. They can balance based on the people who live there and based on the voters that do they want more rights to longer accessibility to abortion or do they believe they want to protect life as soon as possible? And that's up to your state legislators. That's up to your state representatives. And that's up to the states to figure out because that's what it's supposed to be. And I'm glad to see this turn of the Supreme Court pushing a lot of stuff back to the states and saying, this is really a state's issue. The states and the state legislatures, not necessarily Congress, right? We always focus on Congress and we focus on the president and we focus on all this as if there is a carte blanche, one solution, one size fits all sort of solution for everybody. But I always say it's fo- it should be focused more on the state legislatures. Um, I get wonky about this stuff with the state legislators. I believe that the founders had an intent, which has been watered down over the years, that the state legislators are supposed to be way more powerful and have more influence than a lot of people give them credit for. It's supposed to be a lot of these states are supposed to just be like their own entity, part of a union, right? That's the whole point of this. This was a union of these individual states with individual legislatures, with individual governors and individual constitutions that we're all under one umbrella of like, yeah, we're all working together, but we're all different states and we all have different interests and we all have different things to accomplish. Um, And that's where the the Supreme Court has been pushing a lot of their decisions is back to the states, right? Same thing with the guns, that they're basically pushing it back to the states now with the caveat that you can't use good cause. Now you can still do licensing, you can still do whatever you think is important, but you got to get rid of the good cause. Same thing with Roe v. Wade, which is, Now we're pushing it back to the states and the states can figure out what they want. And if you don't like that, you can do a couple of things. You can, one, work to get different legislators. You can get other people to be in your representative government to enact different laws that you believe in, right? That is the point is that you coalesce the people, get people to vote. And if not, if you don't want to do that, you can, and it's that important to you, there are other states. And thanks to this union that we have created, you can travel freely amongst all these states and still be classified as a citizen. And it's, you're still a citizen of the United States. If you don't really like it, you can go somewhere else. But you can also be a part of the process to get representatives in your state legislature to change the laws. Um, and that's basically how it should be. So I, I find it interesting that they're, they're screaming at the top of their lungs that democracy is dying, that it dies in the dark and all of this stuff. When in reality, they're giving more power to your vote. They're giving more power for you to go out and vote. And it seems like they just want the easy way out. They want the easy way out. They like when the Supreme Court rules in their favor as opposed to doing the hard work of getting a lot of state legislatures. Now, mind you, a lot of the majority of state legislatures here in the United States are controlled by Republicans, which is a fact that really kind of flies under the radar every election cycle is that Republicans are taking over more of the state legislature. I think it was like 38 in 2020. Um, we'll see how many more. Maybe they pick it up or they, they strengthen it in this next coming up run. Um, so for the fact that they have lost a large majority of the state legislatures, that does concern them. Now, they could put in the hard work, people on the left could put in the hard work and say, well, we're going to start changing our state legislatures and we're going to start electing people we want. Kind of like what I always say here, 
which is if you want to solve things here in California, you have to put in the work to actually get people elected to this state legislature who are going to believe in what you believe and advocate for what you advocate. That's the point of our, our, the way our government is set up. Um, so that's basically it. We also have right now this new constitutional amendment, which I'm going to touch upon really, really quickly because I do have a theory on it. Um, and I want to give a hat tip to Ray Perez, who's been a guest of the show. He actually brought this up on Twitter. I think this is a great point. Um, there is this state Senate constitutional amendment number 10, which will be voted on this upcoming November. Now, do I think it is partially a ploy by the Democrats to get more Democratic voters out to the polls? Absolutely. I think this is 100% a ploy for them to get more people out to the polls because they're going to say we need a constitutional amendment here in California for the California Constitution, not the U.S. Constitution, uh, that will enshrine the right to abortion and protect what they say, protect the right to abortion. Um, Do I think it again, do I think it's just to get a lot of press? Do I think it's to kind of stand up and, and try and be head and shoulders more progressive than everybody else. Absolutely. Um, I don't think it really changes anything. Like nothing's changed in California as of right now. Um, but this Senate constitutional amendment is going to be going to the voters. Um, let's see. It's only one section. So it's, it's very short. You don't have to read a lot of it. I'll read it for you. The state shall not deny or interfere with an individual's reproductive freedom in their most intimate decisions, which includes their fundamental right to choose to have an abortion and their fundamental right to choose or refuse contraceptives. This section is intended to further the constitutional right to privacy guaranteed by section one and the constitutional right not to be denied equal protection guaranteed by section seven. Nothing herein narrows or limits the right to privacy or equal protection. Very vague, right? It's very vague as to what that really is going to be outside of it just protects the right to abortion. It doesn't say, is it going to go all the way up through birth? Is it going to be nine months? Is it going to be after birth? Anything like that. Um, maybe they did that on purpose. They want it to be vague so that if it does pass, people can find the reason to pass a lot of these laws. Um so that's their Senate constitutional uh, amendment that is going to be going to the voters. Kevin Kiley chimed in and asked if the amendment would overrule California law that generally prohibits abortions after fetal viability and instead allow them up until the moment of birth. Assembly member Sabrina Cervantes, a Corona Democrat, answered, This bill just ensures that all Californians enjoy reproductive freedoms and that they have the ability to make these decisions themselves. Nice non-answer, basically, that says that we're not going to answer whether that's really true or not, um, but here's what we're going to say. Now, it will be interesting. I'm going to give a hat tip to Ray Perez on this point that they may not be happy with the result um, that they see. Hear me out. Do I think it will pass? Eh, most likely it's going to pass, and it'll be a constitutional amendment. Right. But I think they might be stirring a bee's nest that they don't really want to stir up. Um, And specifically in certain communities, this may be one of those wedge issues that alienates not only Hispanic voters, but I also think like Asian American voters who are more conservative on some of these issues, on these social issues. And in terms of pushing this again, I think the reason Roe was overturned was because it went from safe, legal, and rare to up until nine months, 
And I think it was you played your hand too much to the point where states and people pushed back and said, this is too far. You've gone too far. And I think this may be a case here in California where they're pushing this as a big constitutional amendment, and they may be shocked by their own results. That when they see the results of who voted for it, and they see the demographics of who voted against it, they may be a little bit more shocked to be like, wait, maybe we screwed up here because we went a little too far in one direction. Like, California already has the most, some of the most freest outside of Colorado. I think Colorado has some of the most lax abortion laws. Um, California has been screaming from the rooftops, like, come here for abortion, you know, come to California, come for abortion tourism. Um, And side note, I want to look into that. That's another issue here in San Diego. They've now put up billboards that say, welcome to California, where where abortion is still legal and and safe and whatever. Funded by the taxpayers uh, is a big no-no because it's a political standpoint, and therefore they could be running afoul of the First Amendment. That's a whole different issue. Maybe I'll do a whole video on it or something like that. But um, look into it. The right of association also includes the right to not associate with people. Um, and the government really can't use your tax dollars to fund a political uh, position that you may not may or may not uh, agree with. Anyway, um, but they may be shocked. And they may find that maybe they turned off a lot of voters by pushing too far. And, and instead of taking the victory lap and saying, look, we're already um, going to we're going to keep upholding our abortion rights here in California. We're going to stick by our laws. They decided we're going to go the one extra step and make it a constitutional amendment just for the publicity. And I think they'll be shocked and it'll be interesting to see the breakdown. I, like I said, I still think it's going to pass, but it will be interesting to see if it's closer than you think. And it'll, maybe it might be like a Prop 8 situation. Um, I think it was Prop 8, the one that legalized, and then it was voted down. It might be one of those situations where California may be surprised at how socially conservative its people are. Um, and maybe they just keep pushing and pushing. And it may push a lot of those Asian American and Hispanic voters farther right in terms of what they support and that they don't support the Democrats as much anymore. Whew. All right. Well, that was my rundown. I hope I did as good of a job that I, I, I could. I mean, yeah, I could sit here and do, you know, an hour long video on each case and, I don't know who would actually sit through it. It'd be like seeing through a constitutional law class. So I tried to do the best I could. Um, let me know in the comments if it actually, uh, if it made sense. If it didn't make sense, you can always ask questions. I'm going to take a sip of coffee and figure out and let you guys ask some questions. So the coffee that is now kind of lukewarm. It's not cold because it's not cold here. Summer has definitely showed up in San Diego. And by summer, I mean it is 80 degrees. So it's 80 degrees in San Diego. Um, yeah, I know some people would would tune in just for the constitutional stuff. Um, I nerd out on it because that's what I loved in, in law school, and that's what I love to do as an attorney right now. Um, somebody had asked, do I think that Newsom is going to run for president? Um, free law class. Yeah. One free law class. Uh, someone asked before, do I think that Newsom is going to run for president in 2024 or that he's setting up to do it? I've always been of the belief that noodles is going to 
have his sights set on the next position that he can attain. Um, when he was on the county board of supervisors, he wanted to be mayor. When he was mayor, he wanted to be governor. Um, and when he, now that he's, well, he only made it to lieutenant governor first try. Um, and then now he's governor. So obviously the next step after governor is to be president. So he's obviously keeping his eye on the next brass ring. If you notice his Twitter, he's not really talking a lot about California issues. He's talking about national issues. He's talking about like a presidential candidate would talk on big national issues. Um, so I, I fully believe that, that, that he's planning or gearing up for a run. He may be gearing up in the, in the, you know, just in case Biden decides not to run again. Um, which I mean, we're only two years in the poor guy can't stand up on a bicycle. So who knows what's going to happen? Kamala Harris is very unpopular. Uh, there's not really anybody waiting in the wings outside like Pete Booty Judge, who will not be accepted in, in, in most parts of the country. He'll not be supported in most parts of the country. Elizabeth Warren, you know, Pocahontas, is, it, is that going to be someone? I don't think so. So he probably sees an opening to like at least get the national exposure that if there is an opening in 2024, he can run. Um which, you know, would be two years into his second term if he's reelected, which he most likely will be reelected. Um, I would put good money on that. He's going to be reelected. Um, the Biden isn't happy. Noodles isn't propping himself up for 20. Is they're happy or they are not happy? He is propping himself up for for president. But it does really kind of solidify why he is. Well, spending money in Florida is solidifying that he wants to run for president, right? Like, that's the biggest tell. He has no issue. And then this whole he went on Truth Social to try and own the Republicans. Um, I mean, is this what this guy really has time for? The state has no water. Uh, we're running out of energy. And this is what he's, he's really concerned with is going on Truth Social and trying to own people on social media. So let's see. Somebody else asked a question. Newsom has to look better than Biden for Democrats. Um, I would feel he's too progressive. And I think outside of California, he's wildly popular in California, which to me is pretty shocking. Uh, but you have to keep in mind, there's a lot of people who really support Gavin Newsom. There are a lot of Democratic voters. There are 50% of the registered voters are Democrats here. Um, so you have to get think about it that way. Uh, but outside of that, I think a lot of states don't want California influence over their state. A lot of, especially a lot of those swing states, I don't think they want to see a Gavin Newsom president who will push a lot of these California ideals onto the rest of the country. So he may look better because he's young and he's he's well spoken and all that stuff, but he's way too progressive for a lot of these swing states. Do you feel with Roe v. Wade? Uh, will affect red states with people being pro-choice, affect red states with people being mostly blue. Uh, maybe, and I think that's why Democrats were so excited that this came out was because they couldn't really run on anything else. What else are they going to run on? They don't have the economy, which is usually the most important thing. Um, so outside of the economy and the fact that they haven't done anything about Ukraine or they haven't done anything about inflation, um, supply chain, all that stuff, gas prices. I mean, like James Carville said, the raging Cajun, it's the economy, stupid. And if you don't have the economy, what else are you going to do? So they're going to try and wedge this abortion thing 
um, way into it and they're going to try and get people to turn out. But it may work in the other way, too. You know, it, it may work in the other way where you'll get a lot of Republicans showing up because they'll say even more like, oh, you have to show up and vote for this governor or this state legislator or something like that because we want to protect the protect life. So it works both ways. And gun issue is actually notoriously a bad issue for Democrats that they continually lose on over and over again. Um, so they probably want to focus more on the abortion thing outside of the gun thing because they always lose on the gun issue. <laughs> Somebody else had a question. Uh, did you hear California DOJ leak? Yep, we talked about that at the beginning. If you want to check out a more detailed, go to Triggerology. Me and him had a... Uh, uh, big live last night. So, Mm-mm. can California CCW holders sue for the leaked data? Probably. I imagine that's what the CRPA is going to do. Um. So, the coming gas relief is it early tax rebate like the? Ta- I don't know. I think, I believe it might be just coming out of the surplus that they have. It's thirty billion dollars that they're going to be giving out. I don't know if it's you'll probably get taxed on. Don't don't think it's free money. It's definitely not going to be just free money. They're going to figure out a way to make their money back on it. So they're most likely going to tax you on it. So for some people, it may be good they don't get it because then they don't have to worry about being taxed on it. Um, but yeah, if you somebody, uh, yeah, for Bella Bella Love, fifty six. Yeah, we talked about it. Um, go check out Triggerology, the live I did with him. Dems throwing out an argument about packing the court. The FDR threatened to pack the court after Social Security Act. Wasn't it true that he said that because almost all the justices were 70 plus in 1937? Um, I don't know specifically. I know the, the real reason that the, the court packing was sort of defeated in way back in the 1937 with FDR was because there was still a very moderate wing of the Democrats. Um, and they basically said like, and they were a large contingency and that was something FDR had to really grapple with through his entire presidency was there was the progressive Democrats. Um, and there were a lot of very moderate Democrats and the moderates didn't have a lot of control first time, through the 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 term with FDR so he had the side of progressives but then they took over more power in congress and basically once they took over more power in congress they kind of held FDR back from his super super progressive policies and said look if you pack the court we're going to make sure that you are a one term president Right. We're going to make sure you lose next coming. Like, we're not going to support you and we're going to fight you on this. So it was very contentious between these moderate, this wing of the Democratic Party that did not like FDR and the progressives. And that's really what it came down to was there was this group of Democrats who said, look, don't do this or you're going to you're going to pay for it. So um that's not really like I don't know why they're saying it was because they're all 70 plus. There's a lot of justices who were over 70 who are on the court. We have a very young court right now, uh, especially with the three new justices that Trump appointed. So it's a much younger court. You know, Gorsuch is young. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett's young. Kavanaugh is young. 
So you got three right there who are in there that are younger. You know, Clarence Thomas is up there. Uh, Alito's older. He was appointed by George W. Bush. Breyer, who just retired. Uh, Kentonji Brown Jackson, who was just appointed. She's younger. Um, so it's a it's a much younger course. It's not court. It's not seventy plus anymore. But yeah, that's that's what the real reason why that was ultimately defeated. So, all right. Any other questions, comments? Like I said, uh, tomorrow night at eight p.m. on YouTube. As always with the with the podcast, we're gonna have Richard Bailey on, mayor of Coronado. We're gonna be talking some insider baseball, um, and we're gonna be talking about what goes on inside in the you know just basically insider baseball when it comes to politics. Um, did you hear about the bill that California put out that requires websites to verify ages of those who wish to use their website? Um, I have not, but I mean, there's already a lot of case. I, I don't know. Does it make go any farther than what they already do for all some websites like tobacco websites or alcohol websites that have to prove you're either 18 or 21. And really it's just, you fill out a form. I mean, they don't really care. I'm sure they don't really care if you really are that age or not. It's just you put in a number. So, you know, real strong security there, right? Can there be legal action against the gun? Yeah. I, and I think there already is going to be litigation. I think that the, there are organizations um, that are going to push back on this. So, uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for joining the live, um, every Wednesday, 9am try to be here as much as possible. Sometimes work gets in the way, but usually I am here from nine to 10 AM every Wednesday to chat. And then don't forget on Thursday nights at 8 PM, we do the live podcast over on YouTube with a guest. So, um, it's just in the name of protecting children, but the bill is just a way to further regulate the internet. Uh, yeah, I believe they're probably going to be able to look at more of your information. Um, why do they want all your information? As you can see, what happens when they have your information, it can get into the wrong hands and, you know, could potentially be done with, you know, could there could be some harm done to you afterwards. So there's a reason why they want all that information. Sometimes you just kind of want to, you, you know, you, it's almost like you wish for a simpler time when we didn't have all this technology and everybody had your info. Um, control. Yeah, control is probably the most logical reason why they want all your information. Um, all right. How do you... How do the SCOTUS judge rule differently on clear constitutional issues, rules, example, religion? Uh, that's a broad question. How do the SCOTUS judges rule differently on clear constitutional issues? Um... I mean, that's a tough question to really answer in like a quick summation. Um, oh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the, for that. So yeah, I'm going to hop off now. I got a lot of work to do, um, a lot of work to catch up on. And um, tomorrow night, as always, uh, will be the live broadcast on YouTube, the live podcast. So tune in. Richard Bailey will be joining us. Also, if you want more information about the CCW leak and all that stuff, I, I strongly urge you to go over and check out Triggerology. Uh, he has the entire hour live we did last night, and we really went in depth on it and all of our thoughts and all that stuff. So go check that out. And uh, as always, I'll talk to you later. Bye.
thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 